Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. It's good to be seen by those of you joining with us virtually. Uh, today on April 24th, uh, man, it is windy outside. It was the first time I think I've ever been driving a vehicle where I actually worried that my hood would fly up. But it didn't happen. Thankful for that. There are so many individuals who, who uh, make what we do here at North Haven possible. Countless, countless volunteers, uh, many of which are in this room or watching online. Um, and also, we have a tremendous staff. Uh, we've had uh, an amazing array of staff over the years that uh, many of you have known and loved. And uh, then we have wonderful staff uh, now. Uh, one of those individuals is Don Mortensen, Pastor Don, our associate pastor here at North Haven Church, an amazing man of God that I've had the privilege of uh, being able to minister alongside of over the last three years. And uh, Don has been in pastoral ministry for almost 40 years. I mean, it's just been a long, long time. Just turned 69, and uh, Don has recently decided to retire. He um, deserves it, and uh, we are celebrating with uh, him this decision as sad and as difficult as it is uh, for me, and I know for all of you. Uh, Don, I say quite a bit, he, uh, to him, he uh, ends up being a pastor in my life, um, I don't always feel like I'm his. Uh, so it's, uh, it's certainly bittersweet to uh, see him uh, go. But uh, we are going to do two things. And this is something that I've communicated to him, and it's something I've communicated to all that have been in this position with me over the years. Uh, one is uh, I want to make sure that Don transitions well. Um, we want to make sure that uh, he finishes well and that we support him um, as he uh, finishes that journey here at North Haven. But then also, we want to honor the heck out of him because he deserves it. So here's the deal. Uh, Pastor Don, uh, his last day is going to be May 22nd uh, here at North Haven. That morning, that Sunday morning, we're going to spend some time in our services honoring him. And then that later that day, uh, you are all invited to not only our Congregational Life meeting that we're having that evening at 6 p.m., but prior to that at 4.30, we're going to have a reception for Pastor Don out in the commons, and uh, we invite all of you to be a part of that, and we'll give you more information as we certainly get closer, but uh, just a, a time when we could celebrate not only his ministry, but his impact in, in all of our lives. So... Um, we all know now, I'm going to be sending out an email here today, uh, letting those that uh, weren't present or uh, watching online uh, know about Pastor Don's um, retirement. Uh, but he's here this morning. Are you, I don't know if, yeah, there you are. How you doing? All right, yeah. Don's going to be getting a lot of that over the next... Four weeks, so we certainly look forward to showering him with the love that he deserves. So, 
Well, we had a great Easter weekend this last uh, Sunday, and uh, thanks again to so many that made that possible. As Pastor Aaron mentioned in the announcement video, we ran out of eggs. We had 2,000 eggs, and we had such a tremendous um, turnout that we ran out, I think, in five minutes. Was that about right? No joke. And um, I, I was busy trying to get some stuff ready for the second message, so I actually wasn't in the comments at the outset, but here it was like just standing room only out there. It was just jam-packed, which I think is fantastic. I just love that we can uh, be together and enjoy a special day like that. And we had many in our community come and be a part of that as well, and to be able to make those connections is huge. Good Friday service, we were able to not only remember the sacrifice that Christ became for us on the cross, but we did that together with our brothers and sisters in Christ from Eternal Life, from Monk Church, that meets here on Sundays and Tuesdays. So that was certainly special. We had four people get baptized in our service that Sunday, as well as five people that were baptized uh, during the Eternal Life service. And we had a number of people either rededicate their life to Jesus or make first-time commitments. Praise God. Can you please praise God with me? Yes, that's what it's all about. Well, we are in um, a 50-week series that we're jumping back into here today um, called To the Ends of the Earth. And this is our 15th week, if you can believe it. 15 weeks today that we've been going through the book of Acts. Now, if you haven't been a part of this series up to this point, or if you're not aware as to what we're doing, we're spending the whole year this year, 2022, going through the book of Acts in the New Testament after the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And today we're arriving at chapter 10. So two weeks ago, before Easter, we finished up chapter, chapter 9. We looked at, in week 14, two encounters that Peter had, Peter being one of the original 12 that followed Jesus in the gospel accounts, where Peter healed two people through the power and work of Jesus Christ. And as a result, we looked at this as a result of those two healings, those miraculous healings, that many people were saved. Many people came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of Peter allowing Jesus to work through him. And we were reminded, if you remember two weeks ago, we were reminded that, that all of Acts, let's quiz you here, all of Acts, the main character of the book of Acts is who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. What does Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says? Jesus said, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to be my ambassadors. I want you to speak and do on behalf of me to the ends of the earth. Now, a little after the events that we found in Acts chapter 9, we travel to a different part of the region, Caesarea. Now, there's going to be a map here on the screen. Now, we're going to leave this up as I share a little bit here, but you can notice where Caesarea is there on the red. Prior to chapter 10, in chapter 9, we saw that Peter traveled from Jerusalem because of the great persecution that had taken place at the beginning of chapter 8 and followers of Jesus having to basically flee from Jerusalem and go to different areas, namely Judea and Samaria. Peter traveled from Jerusalem 
to Joppa. And in Joppa, we find him there now. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 10. We're going to look at a few verses. It's kind of scattered in there. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to chapter 10 of Acts. If not, um, uh, these verses in particular won't be on the screen. Um, I'm going to be reading them, though. You can certainly listen, or you can follow along in the text. So Cornelius, we find him, Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He was a, uh, a Roman citizen um, in Caesarea. Cornelius was a Roman man who believed in God. It says that he was a God-fearing man. He had the belief in the Almighty God, but yet he didn't have a relationship with the resurrected Jesus. So an angel appears to Cornelius and tells him to send for Peter, who is in Joppa. Send for Peter to come to him. So we're going to start here in Acts chapter 10, verse 9, verses 9 through 16. It says here, about noon the following day, so after, after an angel appeared to Cornelius telling him to send for Peter, it says, about noon the following day, as these people that Cornelius sent then were on their journey and approaching the city, that is Joppa, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then verse 13, then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. In verse 14, surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. In verse 16, this happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. So Cornelius is visited by an angel told to send out for Peter to come to him. And while these people that Cornelius has sent out are going to get Peter, Peter has this vision of this sheet being dropped down by all four corners with all of these animals and birds and reptiles on it. And Peter and God have this exchange. Right after Peter's vision, then the Holy Spirit speaks to Peter And he does what the Holy Spirit does best. He's he's done this time and time again all throughout the book of Acts. He tells Peter to what? Go. He tells Peter to go. So Peter goes to these individuals that, that had been sent by Cornelius. He goes with them to then meet with Cornelius in Caesarea. And then in verses 27 through 29... We see this, while talking with him. So Peter is now talking with Cornelius. Pete went inside and found a a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are all well aware that it is against our law, that is the Jewish law, for a Jew to associate um, with or visit a Gentile, a non-Jew. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, 
I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? So when Cornelius then recounts to Peter what an angel had done, how an angel appeared and spoke to Cornelius, telling him to send for Peter. Peter all of a sudden understood something he really hadn't considered before. In verses 34 through 35, it says this, Then Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And then in Acts chapter 10, verses 42 through 43. After Peter shares with Cornelius the the news of the resurrected Jesus, it says this. He commanded us to preach, that is Jesus, to the people and to testify that he, Jesus, is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And after this, Cornelius and all the the others that had gathered with him received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, then received the Holy Spirit and were then immediately baptized. And get this, all the Jews that came with Peter to Caesarea to meet with Cornelius were amazed. They were astonished. Why? Why were, they, why were they amazed? Why were they blown away? They were blown away because God showed the same level of favoritism to the Gentiles as he had to the Jews. The gospel of the resurrected Jesus began in Jerusalem. And then as I mentioned, after the tremendous persecution that began at the beginning of Acts chapter 8, the Jews, uh, the followers of Jesus that were Jewish, either Jewish by birth, birth or had converted to Judaism, then fled Jerusalem to surrounding areas. So we see Acts chapter 1 verse 8 begin to unfold. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then in Judea in Samaria, and then today we see the extension of that, the name of our series, To the Ends of the Earth. We've watched, over the last 14 weeks, we've watched the, the gospel of the resurrected Jesus grow geographically into these, into these surrounding regions outside of Jerusalem, but now in chapter 10 we're seeing something completely different. It's completely changing the landscape of the gospel. We see now how the gospel is growing beyond nationalities. It's now growing beyond culture It's now growing beyond people groups. There's a brand new thing happening in the world because of the gospel of the resurrected Jesus. And the followers of Jesus at this time had to take notice, as do we. 
Toto, it's not just about the Jews anymore. As I mentioned, and as it states in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius was a God-fearer. He believed in God. He believed in the Almighty God. But he was not a Jew. Neither by birth, nor had he converted to Judaism. And all the people that Peter had encountered with the gospel up to this point were Jews. So Peter assumed, as I think many followers of Jesus apparently did, that the gospel of the resurrected Jesus really only applied to the Jews. But here in Acts 10, the Holy Spirit tells Peter something completely different. He tells him to get off his butt, travel 30 miles from Joppa to Caesarea, and bring the gospel to the Gentiles, to everyone not just his people. And it's interesting, right? Because it didn't take Peter very long. You know, we look at Scripture, and I think we're used to doing it this way because there are numerous times in Scripture, mainly in the Old Testament, where you're at one like, uh, time, and then you fast-forward you know, decades or maybe even a hundred years before you get to another situation in a matter of verses. We forget, I think, in Acts that all this is happening within a matter of months. It wasn't long ago. It wasn't long ago that Jesus stood in his resurrected body, stood before Peter and the other followers of Jesus before he ascended into heaven and said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What do you think the followers of Jesus thought he meant when he said that? That we're going to go into the ends of the earth and we're going to find all of the Jews? Do you think maybe they gave lip service in that moment, that they nodded their head and they thought, yeah, that sounds great. But really didn't understand. Now the vision that Peter had of the sheet that came down was extremely important. It was extremely important with the context that we're looking at here today and what happens with Cornelius and the Gentiles. But its meaning eluded Peter initially. Now the vision was meant to signify that the laws given by God regarding what is clean and unclean to eat, which you find in Leviticus chapter 11, What that was meant to signify was that those commands now were forever countermanded. The Jews saw themselves standing alone in their approval from God. But now, because of the resurrected Jesus, now what's happened is that the playing field has completely leveled. Now everybody is on the same level. Jesus created the possibility because of his resurrection, defeating death, and then 
knocking open that door, providing life everlasting. He made it possible so that everybody, regardless of nationality, regardless of culture, regardless of people group, regardless of history, regardless of economics, regardless of politics, all these people, every single individual in the history of all mankind can now be saved. Not because, not because people are inherently clean. That's certainly not true. But because God, through Jesus Christ, can make anyone clean who believes in him. So that's what Jesus did. But Peter, Peter hadn't really grasped that yet, had he? As I mentioned, according to Jewish law in Leviticus chapter 11, there were things that were clean and unclean to eat. And because of that, a Gentile, a non-Jew, was deemed essentially unclean. They were deemed unclean because they were eating things that were what? Unclean. But now it would seem that God has changed the game plan and Peter had an issue with this, didn't he? Man, the more time I spend in Scripture, and namely the Gospel accounts and uh, Acts, I feel comforted because Peter's kind of an idiot, just like me, just like us. We forget so quickly, don't we? We become so fickle, so focused on ourselves and our comfort, our tendencies, our values, regardless of whether they line up with God. Peter only listened to what he wanted to hear. This information regarding the Gentiles shouldn't have come as a surprise. Remember that Peter, Peter followed Jesus for three years. Three years he heard and lived and breathed Jesus' teaching. And what did Jesus himself say in Mark chapter 7, verses 17 through 19? After Jesus had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the, the parable he had just shared. And he said in verse 18, Are you so dull? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods were clean. But make no mistake, Peter's vision and the Holy Spirit's reminder to him, as I mentioned, is not to state that, that we are inherently clean. We all have sin nature that we are born into. Thus we need to be made clean. In 1 John 1, 9, it says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us then from all unrighteousness. 
But notice something that is interesting about Peter, and I think this applies to me. It applies to me, and I can only then assume maybe it applies to you as well. But Peter, in his hesitancy towards God in chapter 10 of of, of Acts, he contradicts himself because consider what Paul said in previous chapters in the book of Acts. In the, the months leading up to this moment in Acts chapter 10, in chapter 2, verse 39, Peter says this. He says, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. In Acts 3, 25, Peter says this. Through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter says this, Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Practically everything that Peter has said up to this point implies all. So what was Peter's deal? As I mentioned, I, you know, I think Peter was... was was largely giving lip service. I mean, this is something that he had been he had been swimming in his whole life prior to Jesus. His whole life was about uh, this 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 understanding that there were the Jews who were favored by God and everybody else. He'd been so stuck in his ways, living out his life believing and doing certain things that when the truth was revealed to him, it was really hard for him to switch gears. And I get it. Because I think that applies to me. I think that applies to you. Peter had no qualms about the resurrected Jesus providing salvation to the Jews. He was all for that. But when it came to everyone else, I think that Peter was probably prone to say when Jesus said these things, to say, yeah, yeah, sure, everyone, and then turn to John and give him a wink. Peter, even though a Jesus follower, I believe full of wonderful intentions, still saw others as untouchable. Look again at what the Holy Spirit tells Peter in Acts chapter 10, verse 15. The voice spoke to him a second time and said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. What is God saying to Peter in this moment? He's saying that the work that, that Jesus accomplished on the cross was to make everyone clean, not just the people that you're comfortable with. We have to be reminded of the truth that we find all throughout Scripture. In James chapter 2, verse 1, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism because God doesn't. Something changes for Peter. He sees firsthand that God shows no favoritism. Peter sees for the first time that what Jesus said in John 3.16 to Nicodemus, he says that God so loved the what? The world. Because of his love for the world, 
he gave his one and only son. And now in Acts chapter 10, verse 43, Peter says again, all, but this time he actually means it. He actually believes it. Where he says, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Many of us are like Peter. We say in moments like this, that yes, of course, Jesus died for all. Of course he did. But when it comes right down to it, some of us are giving lip service. Because whether we care to verbalize it or not, there are those around some who we believe are untouchable. The outcasts, whoever they are to us, maybe our enemies. Or the enemies of those that we align with, that we have relationship with. Those who've hurt you, and those who look differently, act differently than you do. But Jesus is saying to, saying to us in this that I did this for everybody and it is to everyone that I want you to share this with. I've been running the stopwatch here for the last 23 minutes and 37 seconds. Raise your hand if you've wondered why. Well, I appreciate that. At least you're paying attention in some degree. Would someone please um, take out their uh, calculator on their phone? We got... Twenty-four minutes. All right. How many seconds in a minute? Thank you. Good job. <laughs> sixty seconds in a minute. So sixty times twenty-four minutes is how much? Fourteen forty. Fourteen forty. One thousand four hundred forty times two is. I can't do that. What is that? Twenty-eight eighty. Wow, that was a sad commentary on my life, wasn't it? 2880, 2880. Why is that number important? 2880 people, non believers, who hadn't given their life to Jesus Christ who hadn't confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in their heart that God raised him from the dead and thus become saved, given the promise of eternal life. 2,880 non-believers died in 24 minutes. This is for everybody. The gospel has to be something that we are compelled to live and to share. It cannot be based on our comfortability. The gospel will penetrate hearts and it will change lives for eternity, but only, only if we share. It won't come easy, 
Romans 12, 2, Paul writes, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It takes intentional effort. I want to invite you to do something with me. I've been doing this for the last two months. And it has proven to be just one but one simple but very important aspect of my life that continues to put these 2,880 plus individuals in my mind and my heart presenting with me in, within me an urgency to not base the gospel on my comfortability but to base the gospel on the resurrected Jesus who can save, and that is to do the 10-2 the challenge, the Luke 10-2 challenge. Raise your hand if you've heard about this. All right, great. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. If you have a smartphone, it's very easy. I want you to set an alarm on your phone to go off every day at 10.02. A.M. or P.M., it doesn't matter. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And so what I do every day, and it surprises me every day, I don't know why, but it does, every day at 10.02 my alarm goes off no matter where I am, no matter what situation I'm in, and you'll know if I'm super over my time limit with my message because you'll hear that alarm go off right over there at 10.02. But at 10.02 and that alarm goes off right away, no matter where I am, no matter who I'm talking to, no matter what I'm doing, and if you've met with me at that time, you know this is true, I immediately pray and I say, the harvest is plentiful, Lord, but the workers are few. And so Lord, I ask that you would send workers into the harvest field. And then I add this part including myself. So I want to encourage you to do that. Set an alarm, 10.02, and pray that prayer with me. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So Lord, I pray that you would send workers into the harvest field, including myself, because Jesus died for all. Would you stand with me? We're going to share in our creed together that we do at the end of every service throughout this series. And I ask that you would share this, say this with me out loud. We are the church. We have received power from the Holy Spirit. We are Jesus' witness to the world. We will give the love of Jesus to each other, to our community, and to the ends of the earth because we are the church. Amen. Amen. God bless. We'll see you next Sunday.